One, two, one, two, check, check. Tell me, what constitutes a proper voice check? I'm looking at the mic for one oh, thing and okay. not me. Okay, okay. Look, I'm looking at the mic. Woo! Hello and welcome to The Naked Scarf. I'm Adam. And I'm Andy. And in this episode we're going to be looking at Blink. So, Andy, give us your plot synopsis. Uh, Well, this episode is written by Stephen Moffat and features David Tennant, the Tenth Doctor. Um, Although it doesn't really feature a lot of him, it's an incredibly Doctor-like episode. And for all intents and purposes, the main character is Sally Sparrow, who is played by Kerry Mulligan. And she gets into an old abandoned house in London and she's exploring it and she finds some words uh, sort of peeking out from behind the old tattered wallpaper and she rips the wallpaper away from the wall and it says, uh, beware the weeping angels and and then gives her name. Um, it's actually written on and the wall. And it also says duck. And, and then, duck, yes, duck, duck now. Duck now. And uh, she's reading it and then something is thrown through the window and she ducks. And she's obviously a bit perturbed um, by this series of events. And so she goes round to her friend's house uh, where she bumps into her friend's brother who is staying over and uh, it will later become a, a, a you know part of the story. Um, and she persuades her friend, uh, Catherine Cathy, to go back to the house with her to have a look. Um, and so they do the next morning, I assume they go back to the house and they read uh, what's written there. And then the doorbell rings and it's obviously scaring them quite a bit because, uh, you know, who would ring the doorbell in an old abandoned house? And Kathy decides to stay behind whilst Sally answers the door. And there's a young gentleman there who gives uh, Sally a letter, which he says was written by his grandmother who died 20 years ago. And her name was uh, Catherine Costello, uh, what was it, Nightingale. Nightingale, and, um, and which is the name of her friend Kathy. And so uh, Sally uh, goes to look for her friend Kathy in the house who has disappeared. And we uh, showed that she sort of uh, appears in a hull in 1920 and we discover through the letter that she wrote to Sally that uh, she has sort of uh, led a good life and married the first person she saw when she uh, sort of got back into 1920 who obviously helped her a bit and and, uh, had grandchildren and all the rest of it and Sally goes and, and visits her grave. My God, are you actually going to do this plot synopsis properly? This is great, my favourite episode. Are you going to do it in Greek, 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 Greek detail? Lots of tragedy and a chorus and maybe some gods coming down. Great detail was a word I wasn't looking for. Yeah, you Words. suck. Anyway, so the letter requests that um, uh, Sally go tell um, uh, Kathy's brother exactly what's happened. So, um, and he works on a particular uh, uh, shop, which is a, a DVD store. And so she goes there to say that uh, Kathy has had to go away for a while, and uh, it, she realizes that um, that there are some sort of strange uh, uh, things basically on the the, compu- uh, the DVD screens, uh, which turns out to be David Tennant. It's actually David Tennant, and uh, uh, sort of talking like sort of discombobulated bits of speech um and she asks what they're about and he says that they're easter eggs but the publishers don't seem to know they're on the dvds 
And she then thinks to report what's happened to the police. So she goes to the police where she mentions the name of the house that she was in, West of Drumlands, and the police start taking her seriously. And she meets her DCI, Billy Shipman, who uh, talks to her about... Uh, the, the West of Drummond's mystery, where a lot of people um, have, have sort of left their cars up there and disappeared, and takes her down to see them. And also, uh, the TARDIS is there. He calls it the pride of the West of Drummond collection. And um, uh, yeah, basically, um, he then asks her out on a date, and she gives him her number. Um, she goes back outside where it's raining. Um, and then she realises that she has a key that she had taken previously from West of Drumlands. And, uh, and Billy had told her that the TARDIS uh, didn't, it wouldn't open, even though it was just a standard GL lock. And so she goes running back in. Um, but in the meantime, the Weeping Angels have taken uh, uh, Billy. And he's sat back into 1969 where the Doctor and Martha are. And look, okay, you do it if you want me I'm, to be a bit less precise. Stop I'm just saying the, the, I'm saying the, tr- the trouble with, with precise good uh, plot synopsis is probably most people know what Blink is and it's not funny. It's the trouble when, when you are like, ooh, ooh, and this, this happens, I think this happens, and I'm not sure. That, 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 that's kind of what amuses me if, if no one else, probably no one else it amuses. But when, when you're doing it good and accurately, we're, we're, we're heading almost to a five-minute plot synopsis, if not longer. A bunch more timey-wimey stuff happens. Some weeping angels get their ass kicked via a very sophisticated subplot involving uh, the Doctor communicating with Sally Sparrow and uh, Kathy's brother uh, uh, through the DVD Easter eggs and The Day is Saved. Hooray! What? They can't see the look you're giving me, so it's uh, no good giving me that look. Right, Blink, quite a famous episode, uh, simply for the fact that it's the one everyone always goes, oh, if you want to get into Doctor Who, watch Blink. Despite the fact it barely features the Doctor. It's a gateway. But why, why there's that? Why? Why is this the one that people... Because there are, there are other Doctor Light episodes, no one goes, watch Turn Left or Love and Monsters. In all fairness, I, I, I would... I recommend Turn Left to somebody who maybe hadn't seen a lot of Who. Just but because the trouble with Turn Left, I would say, is that it relies very much on previous continuity. Uh, yes, it, certainly, but but that doesn't mean that people can't enjoy the uh, the sort of butterfly effect thing that's at the heart of the plot there. And um, and, and and this I, is the thing. I mean, the, the, the problem is is that when people hear about the premise of Who, um, this is kind of how I got Lauren into the new series of Who. Uh, Adam had been trying for a while, and then I just no, said I hadn't to her, tried at all. Actually, I, I just accepted the fact she wasn't going to get into it and was unused to watch it. And fine, then she, and then she I said to, get to her, it. "Watch Blink," and she watched Blink, and then she had to watch everything else. And and this is why, because um, essentially. Um, if if you come to Doctor Who and and people have so many preconceived ideas of, of of what it is and and I think that what escapes people is is that when you sum it up and saying oh it's this like you know uh, alien who's many years old and, and travels in time and space with with their companions then you know that that might sound like you know people could be Neh. but what what people fail to understand about Who is that a lot of the episodes are based around very complex entertaining interesting ideas you know there are very mm-hmm. solid ideas that um and and this is the thing because you just have these you know sort of very uh, you know, these these very basic things that you can pin who down to and then after that you can go and play with it you know you, you can do so much with it but people perhaps who haven't really watched the series before might not realize that and they, they might not realize that you know you can take you know um even when there are story arcs and all the rest of it there are still episodes that you would enjoy very much you know just as uh, a, a one-off and, and but none of that explains why blink 
because it's such a fantastic story. Okay. I mean, let, I let's, mean let's, I, I'll say yes, it is completely self-contained in the way that um, Turn Left isn't, yeah. uh, as an example. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, I really like the episode. I don't like it quite as much as you. I know this is your absolute favourite. I do like it. I think it's very well put together. It's very well written. It's very well acted. It is, it is, it is one of the best Doctor Who episodes. I wouldn't argue that point. But I, I just don't quite get the why it's a great introduction. I mean, I'd argue the eleventh hour is a better introduction. Because no, it's, it, just, it's a good episode, but um, I, I think that what Blink does is it plays on a lot of the strengths of Doctor Who. That mm. it has the ability to be flexible, surprising, to keep you on the edge of your seat. To you know, so many of these things and, and other episodes. Um, I, I think that Blink just does all of these things very strongly. You know, it, it, okay. it's, it's sort of very much like presenting the best of who to people without them getting too but it bogged down really in feature the Doctor. But it's it features so much, you know, and and you say it's not a great introduction, but I know, um, no, the I, didn't, doctor, I didn't say that. I, I said, why is it? Okay, fine. A great the doctor has to explain himself and and this situation that they are in to a complete stranger who has landed in the middle of this and, and doesn't even get the same introduction that most of the companions get of walking into the TARDIS or actually mm. meeting the Doctor. And and so I guess that in some ways the um, audience might be very much like Sally so Sparrow. What, what you're suggesting is that because we start off with Sally, who's a normal person living a normal life, she gets so sucked into the weird world of the Doctor. Yes, and I think in the same but way... isn't that Rose? Can you can you then make an argument that Rose is good? I I I think I think this is a better episode than Rose. Don't get it wrong, but I'm just saying this is not the first introductionary esque episode. I'm sure you don't get much more introduction introductionary. I'm making up words now, probably possibly uh, than Rose. Rose still got much more time with the Doctor. Yeah. Um, exactly. But I, I, I think that you can probably argue that if you're talking uh, from the point of view of somebody who perhaps hasn't been introduced to Who before, um, then they, they probably are more of a Sally Sparrow. And it does. It really sucks you in. It draws you in. And it's an episode that draws people in so strongly that it, it's, it's probably one of those that makes you think, oh, I, I could watch some more of this. Uh, uh- Okay, I'm not. I, I'm. 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 I'm just really trying to play devil's advocate a bit because people always go, "Oh yeah, that's the one to show." But no one. I often think, "Well, why?" I mean, I, my actual version would be something like Eleventh oh, Hour," and that's. I'm not just talking in the sense of that's got the latest Doctor in it, just because it it reintroduces the Doctor. But Blink also has some other accolades uh, to its bow. Um, Sally Sparrow, as I said, was played by Kerry Mulligan, an Oscar-nominated actress. What's she been in that's been Oscar-nominated? An Education. I don't know that. Um, it's, uh, it's it's a memoir uh, that was written by a, a, a lady about her time at, uh, at either Oxford or Cambridge and her affair of a much older professor. But yeah, she was nominated for an Oscar for her role in Anne Education. And of course, she's appeared in a lot of uh, films. I mean, she's really made a name for herself in Hollywood. You know, she's been in films with um, uh, Kira Knightley, who I do not think you know uh, Carrie Mulligan's a far superior Aww. actress to her and yeah yeah she's very hot but um and 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 no she's uh she was also in uh like Wall Street too which we don't speak of and and all of this kind of, but you know she's sort of really rolling <laughs> in Hollywood you know she, she's uh, done amazingly well for herself but apart from that Blink as an episode also won a BAFTA. Do you ever think if Doctor Who was remade by as an American movie it was star Shira LaBeouf as the companion? Sorry, it's just because you mentioned Wall Street Two, and I just it was imagine. I, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. You know, the kid that that, that, that they're slowly um, digitally inserting into the eighties. Huh. 
because he's you know he's appearing, he's appearing pretty much in every eighties franchise or revival of every eighties franchise ever every eighties franchise ever. And I sometimes fear that Spielberg will digitally insert him into my childhood somehow, and I'll be like, <laughs> hey, I was best friends with Shirley Booth, and it's like Beef, Le Beef, Le Beef, Le Beef, ah. Le Beef, Shirley Beef, and um, anyway, this. Uh, she's also doing. in Drive, which is also Drive. doing pretty well at the moment. Oh, I went to see Drive the yeah. other day. Oh, of course, I didn't realise. No, the film she was in with Kira Knightley was uh, Never oh, Let Me Go. Drive, yeah, Drive's she's really good. She's also been nominated for a... Oh, no, sorry, she's won... A, uh, oh, no, sorry, that was she's won a BAFTA for Best Actress, and she's also been nominated for a Golden Globe. Of course so. she was in Drive. I'm really irritated. I saw Drive, loved it. Didn't click for a minute. That, that was Sally Sparrow. Oh. Yeah, no, that's Sally Sparrow. I mean, she looks a bit different these days because she's cut her hair. and Yeah, but and facially, actually, God, yeah, that's so obvious. Anyway, getting back on track. Yeah. Um, I think one of the strongest elements of this is definitely the Weeping Angels. They're, they're a great on the best modern monsters for Dot 2. Absolutely. I, I would argue they're in their purest form here, and that's at the best. Because yes. uh, Time of Angels and uh, Flesh and Stone, where they come back in, is a very, very, very good yes, episode. Yes, it is. But it, it does a thing like it always happens with two monsters. Once you have them more than once, you complicate them. It dilutes it a little bit. You, you have to make them more complex to make them work in different situations. And yeah, it dilutes it very slightly. And Where they're here, it's simple. The rules are very simple. You know, you blink, you move. I mean, you could argue why why are they frozen in stone when only we see them as the camera and not the character? Because there's a few shots. But I think if you start doing things like that, Doctor Who's not for you. Walk away watch something like Terra Nova, which is rubbish, by the way. <laughs> if anyone's thinking of watching Terra Nova, I've seen three episodes so far. Don't. Just don't. Um, I don't watch Ringer either. That's really bad. Uh, yes, anyway. Um, uh, Weeping Angels, they are... Uh, and, and you're right, when you make the point of uh, Flesh and Stone and all the rest of it, um, it's, it's when they start adding to the like yeah. folklore and start saying things like, you know, the image of an angel becomes an, an angel, angel and blah, and blah, blah. It, and it that works. makes it... It works, but... In Blink, they, they, there's a purity to it. Yes, them. there's an incredibly simple premise, and and uh, and it's it's played very effectively in Blink when they uh, zone in on the people's eyes, yeah. and and you know what's going to happen. Or um, the first time I watched this episode, um, which was when it was first broadcast, I was watching it with a, a female friend of mine, and we were so wussy I mean we were jumping and screaming and and even now I won't watch it in the dark because seriously there are some amazing jumpy moments in this I think that this has had the second highest uh, basically I don't know if you know this but the, the BBC have like a sort of scare team of kids four kids and they're of slightly different age ranges like I think the youngest is seven the oldest is like 15 or something and they get them to rate the Doctor Who episodes for scariness on a scale and I think this is the second highest I think I vaguely knew of it. I, I, I think they might still do it. Do you know yes. what? If they fire those kids, they could afford at least half an episode of Dot Two Confidential. <laughs> uh, um, yes. Uh, so um, this has actually got the second highest um, uh, rating of all time. Uh, I think after is it the Satan Pit or something. Something like that like sounds that. about right. Yeah. Because um, there's a description of them as creatures of the abstract. And again, this is picked up later on where, where there's talk in, in future episodes. We're talking being like an idea made flesh or an idea made real, and which is interesting because that's what almost a distillation is that the right word? Uh, yeah, I guess that can work. Of what Doctor Who monsters are, quite often because we talk about them being alien races, but very few actually are. I yes. mean, things like Curse of Peladon are the rarity, where a lot of Doctor Who monsters like terrifying ideas made 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 flesh, basically like the Cybermen aren't really a race. They're, they're this idea of what we could become. The Daleks are just 
Nazis in 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 miniature tanks. Basically, that that you know, we we think we have coaches, alien coaches in Dot Two, but that's, that is the rarity. It's it's just monsters. It's there's very few individual personalities, and because the angels don't really have any personality. Yes, and I was... and they are just terror, basically. I, I will say this um, very briefly because I've talked about it before, but uh, I, was, I was intending to start a series of like mini sort of videos relating to various Doctor Who things, Lucy, and I've talked about the Weeping Angels before. Are you going to do another a... one of those, actually, because you've only done one so far? Yeah, well, I got a new you, job your and job moved. moved. Yeah, yeah, fair and... point. I will at some point, but, you know, it's just I'm very busy and glamorous and, and <laughs> cosmopolitan and I just don't know. Um, I'm joking. Um yeah, it, it, basically, um, there was an old philosopher called Berkeley who uh, had this idea that if, if you stop perceiving something, then it ceased to exist as, as you knew and understood it. And, um, and and so I always like to think of the Weeping Angels uh, very sophisticated as, as basically being kind of like philosophy monsters sort of playing on this idea of, of the fact that, you know, when you stop perceiving things, things change. And, and what I really like about them is that they play on a very... In, intrinsic fear that I think all people have, which is a fear of the unknown. You know, right. a fear of what happens when you stop perceiving something. It's it's, it's like you know a fear it's of a the childhood. dark. Fear. Yeah, it's a child. It's, it's a fear child- of the dark in its most basic sort of form. Like what happens when you close yeah. your eyes and you don't know what's going on anymore. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. They are the perfect monsters for children, and they are monsters ultimately more than. Anyway, sorry to keep banging. Well, not off, just children. To, to keep, I mean, they scared the crap out of me. Yeah. I mean, to keep banging off on about this, as it were. The fact is, they're not. A race, they are an idea, and that is that is pure who. I can't imagine these people really turning up on Star Trek. It's a uniquely who thing, I think. The angels. I can't really imagine them really working on any other show. Of course, the you won't get them Terra Nova. The interesting Terra thing Nova's about rubbish. The interesting thing about the angels as well is that uh, I don't know if anybody watched Confidential at the time that um, came out. Uh, or Blink came out, but uh, the angels aren't actually statues, they're people. I remember you told and me they, that, I was they... really shocked, I presume they're just a different statues, they can move. And then... No, no, they're all people, but the really funny thing is they showed them, like, sort of having the angel makeover, and these women, then they're women, are all supermodels. Seriously, and I guess that they must have needed tall women, you know, but they're all, they were all, like, these really pretty women being made into these grotesque, and then I think that they sort of blue-screened, you know, a lot of them doing the poses and, and the sort of moving and, and you know, to make it look uh, a bit more organic, and uh, that's a fantastic makeup job. And in all fairness, that's got to be one of the most expensive things that actually happened in this episode. I mean, really, who doesn't get much better than when it's not an, an obviously very expensive thing to produce or you know by standards of other episodes perhaps and 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 it's just very idea driven and this is an incredibly idea driven episode so full of creativity and uh but the thing is is what strikes me about it is that in many ways it's so perfectly bittersweet Oh yeah, and, there's, and a, lot, the there's a lot. There's a lot of bittersweet. There moments. is a lot of bittersweet moments. Like for example, when um, Kathy, uh, Sally's friend, is, is sucked uh, because the, the weeping angels. If you didn't know, basically, they, they uh, when you touch, they touch somebody. That person is transported back into the past to live to death, as such, so that they, you know, sort of. Uh, they, they, they feed on on, on, on the could have beans. Yeah, um, which, which is, quite which a lovely is so idea. lovely. Yeah, in a weird kind of horrible way. 
but um, when Kathy's sucked back into the past and, and when um, uh, the letter that she wrote to Sally has been read out and she was saying about, oh, don't feel sorry for me, I loved a good man and was loved in return and, and, she's, uh, and there are all the photos in there of her life and, and you want to be incredibly sorry for her because it must be horrible to be a 20-something, you know, person living in London one minute and then you're sort of sucked into the past. In Hull. In Hull, you know, and, and, uh, and, and but just like silly things like Sally's by her grave, obviously a bit shell-shocked and sort of wondering what the hell's going on and then she notices on the grave that uh, that she said her birth date was uh, 1903 or something and she was like you told him you were 18 cheeky you know and, and it's just like those really silly sweet sad moments and of course uh, a similar one happened with Billy oh that gets me every time it, it, that I, moment. I, I nearly cried it, it's, gets it's me every so time. very sad when um, uh, because she met him mere moments before as a young guy who she had just given her number to and he says uh, uh, you know go for a drink with me life is short and you are hot and then the next minute she's standing at his hospital bed as an old man and he's saying he's, no I'm he, going to die tonight but um, that, I'm glad that, I had you to look forward to at the end and he's got that line about look the old man's hands how did that happen and yeah that, that and, and also gets to me for some reason and, and when he says oh life is long and you are hot and and um, and and then he says, "I've, I've only." And it's at the beginning, actually, when she uh, when he opens his eyes and sees her standing there, and says, "It was raining when we met." And she turns around to him and says, "It's the same rain." And it's just there is something about that that is just so perfect, and and it's not overplayed, but no. it's just so perfectly but, done. Uh, what was I going to say? Because there is, she does have that line about. Uh, she says it quite almost off cuff and sarcastically oh, happy is is uh, sad is happy for deep people yes. <laughs> and you almost get the feeling she hasn't really actually experienced much sadness yes and it's almost almost like those words come back to haunt her because suddenly all she's faced with it is a great sadness of people who even if they have lived good lives because of what's happened to them they're still it's still sadness there's, there's they, still they another reality trapped. They, they weren't able you know they've they, left behind they left, yes. they left their whole lives behind and also if you're in the past you know what's going to happen. There's no, there's no sense of the future is here. The future is happening. It's you're trapped. You are yeah. trapped in a way, and it, it is it is incredibly sad because this is actually based on a annual story that I think it is, is in Mother it was, wrote uh, in 2006. Called, yes, what I did on my summer holidays by Sally Sparrow, and I think that she she's a um, child. In she's it, a so. child in it. Yes, and and he took it, and he obviously and and that's the wonderful thing because he's obviously had the uh, the, the ability or the, the chance to sort of uh, uh, play out the idea in its initial form and then see where it didn't didn't work and and, and expand on it until it became such a perfect episode. And and I really do think it's pretty much a perfect episode. There's not. Uh, there, there's not really one part of it I'd change. My dad actually used to call me Sally Sparrow after he um, after he saw that episode because uh, at the beginning of the episode and she's uh, getting into the old house west of Drumlands and um, and and you know sort of in there taking photos. I used to do that when I was a teenager. I'd, I'd hunt down like all the old you know Victorian abandoned mental asylums and the hospitals and and uh, and, and churches and industrial sites and whatever. And I'd I'd go and I'd be like you know just off to Cane Hill, Dad. You know the old psychiatric place. You don't see me. Assume that I'm dead. And he'd be like, right, okay, Cane Hill. Where's this? <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and I used to go and and and. Uh, yeah, so that that was kind of uh, kind of good fun, and uh, just uh, for fact fans as well, uh, West of Drumlands, the house obviously it was filmed in Wales. Um, uh, you know, uh, quite a good job actually of of, of uh, making Wales look like London, and um, uh, the house I believe is still there. It's it's uh, it's up for development. Um, <laughs> it's it's up for development, but I think the recession slowed that down. So yes, it's it's still there. Fact fans.
you know, I got the thing I could have really just walked out the room, let you with the microphone on this one. You could have given me <laughs> half an hour of material. Um, I love it. it so yeah, much. no, I know. I mean, I said I really do like it. I don't possibly like it quite as much as you, but I do think it is a, you know, perfect little episode. So obviously, written by Stephen Moffat, and I think it's the first time the, the, the first time the phrase uh, "timey wimey" yes is uh, introduced, and it is. I mean, it is incredible. It is. Along with this and Girl in the Fireplace and uh, Silence in the Library, it is very much a hint of what's to come when Stephen takes over. I mean, obviously, there's a whole thing of Sally gives the information to the Doctor, but then she gets the information in the past because the Doctor's yes. she's given the information to the Doctor. And even little things like when uh, Kathy's grandson arrives to deliver the letter, it's because Kathy's grandson arrives that she goes upstairs and gets taken yes. so that he can then be born. If, if her grandson hadn't arrived at the moment... She might not have been taken. He might not have been born yeah. because he arrives. It you know it's all these little little links and connections. No, and loops. It's, it's it's incredibly complicated in a way. But you never. I, I don't think people ever really sort of watch it and think that they don't know what's going on. Yeah. And especially not. Uh, I, I've I watched it with a, a, a couple of like younger um, sort of teenagers, perhaps a bit younger in the past before, and uh, and no one's ever sort of said, oh, I don't understand it. Or, um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, another silly thing that I like about it is the fact that even the characters with the sort of smaller parts are incredibly well fleshed out. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, um, uh, Billy and Ben as well, the, the man that Cathy uh, uh, marries. Uh, he's only got a couple of lines in it, but, but there's something incredibly endearing about watching her march across fields in Hull. And she's going, are you going to follow me? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and you know, just munching on an apple and holding a newspaper, and um... yeah, yeah, all the parts of what there's not, no, no one feels wasted. Yeah, I don't think there's a line in this that's wasted. No. Everything is a bit like Raymond Chandler at his absolute best, where nothing is wasted. Everything leads to something else. Yes, and it's it's it, uh, the thing with the Easter eggs as well on the DVDs. I thought that was such a lovely, interesting touch, you know, mm. because it's not something that you would obviously put together. Until you realise that the DVD list was something that, you know, they were all her DVDs. It's worth pointing out that Martha possibly gets the worst uh, trips with the Doctor ever because the preceding <laughs> story to this is human nature. And obviously there she has to work as a maid in, in an incredibly racist school for yes. about three months. And in this one, she has to go, she has, she has to get a job in the shop to support the Doctor while he's filming himself on uh, yes. for, for this. And it, you just think, you know, Martha was told like, oh, I come see the world all the time. And then it's like, if you could just get this job and uh, earn some money, it's a bit rubbish, really. Poor yeah. Martha. No, uh, something I'd like to point out is uh, the music. Now, I'm, I'm no expert on music, but I think there are some great moments. I, I, I don't Tense, entirely... kind of, uh, yeah, of a psycho-like sort of strings. violin type. Yeah, well, it sounds a little bit psycho-esque. Kind of, like, yeah, yeah, a little bit, but it really it, it helps to ratchet up the tension quite yeah. a lot. And uh, even even now, you know, in, in that scene where they've gone back to Western Drumlands, the abandoned house, and they've taken their portable DVD player, and the Doctor has managed through the Easter eggs to explain to them what's going on, and then they suddenly have that moment of realisation and and you know even though i know what's coming like you know and then they're looking at each other and going you don't have your eyes on it neither do you and even though i know that the next shot is going to be a weeping angel i still jumped yeah still no jumped. it is very good um do you think and this is just an idea and i'm not sure i believe it myself but do you think sally's a prototype amy or is that me stretching a little no, bit? No, that, that's you stretching I a little bit i thought it might be I, it just occurred to me because you've got her and you've got um oh, what's the guy called I don't know. I just keep calling him Kathy's brother. Is it? Oh, I, I'm suddenly blanking on um. But um. On, on his name. But I think I, 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 I like wondered. Sally's... I wondered. I wondered if that could be almost like a prototype. Uh, Larry. Larry. 
So yeah, we just looked up at the same time. Uh, her and Larry, I wondered if it almost could be a prototype Rory and Amy. Maybe a little, but I have to say, I think that um, in an odd way, I think Sally has a lot... Uh, Amy and Sally are both very confident. I think Sally has a very different type of confidence. She's very self-assured, very... Uh, and it's it's not in, like, a, a sexy way or, a, you know, I, I can get myself out of this kind of way. She, she just... It feels like she believes in herself yeah. a great deal. And, uh, and she's very funny. There are some very funny lines, like um, uh, when she's uh, going into the... the DVD store to talk to Larry and, and he's like I met you before and she's like it'll come and and then he suddenly realises and covers his balls because uh, the last time she met him he had been in his boxes in his sister's kitchen no no or, no, 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 no he even. didn't even have the boxes and she was like there it is <laughs> it's just you know just silly throwaway lines like that that is a, a, a kind of funny she's she's quite sassy but yeah. in a you know non-obnoxious way and this is obviously I think it would be fair to say this is the best Dr. Light episode Absolutely. Well, I I think it's my favourite. I, I would I, I would agree as well. I guess the girl who waited might be Dr. Light, but it's not quite in the same way. So slightly less, slightly heavier Dr. Light. So yeah, let's just say this is our favourite quote-unquote Dr. Light episode. Yes, and, and there are, I mean, I so badly want to have my own um, uh, The Angels Have the Phone Box t-shirts and... Uh, you can um, get them. They're sort of on the yeah, internet. I know. So there are many so many of them. them, but I absolutely must get one at some point. Oh, lovely point, actually, which is when um, uh, Billy is uh, explaining to um, Sally about the TARDIS and, and, you know, in the West Drummond's collection, he's like, it's not a real police box. And no, yeah, he says the, the windows are too runners. small. And, and it's, uh, uh, yeah, I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, as any sort of scary fan will probably know and appreciate. Um, no, it's it's, uh, that's, it's it's a nice little in joke. It's one that it, it doesn't, you know, it, it, if you're a sort of quite a Who fan, then then you probably get it, and and if not, it doesn't, you know, sort of add or detract anything. So, um, yeah. yeah. Anything else to say? Oh, apparently there's been a Minecraft mod made which introduces weeping angels into the game. I don't know what Minecraft is. I only have a vague idea. Have no real interest in it. That's good. I'm glad people have, you know, got terrifying creatures. Of, uh, 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 that it was, uh, no, I mean, the amount of happy. acclaim that this episode got, I'm just uh, having a scroll through here, apparently um, it was nominated for a Nebula Award for Best Script and lost to Pan's Labyrinth. I mean, losing to Pan's Labyrinth is not, you know, because that's another brilliant, amazing, perfectly constructed. Seen it. Have you not? No. I would lend you it, but I lent it to someone and they never gave it back and... Um, in fact the guy I lent it to um, uh, was a guy I used to work with and his granddad was a carpenter at the BBC who built the original TARDIS I got very excited about that and started asking him a lot of questions and he was like my granddad's dead <laughs> oh. oh okay um, yes show me his files he might have written something about it uh, yeah so I think we've agreed this is, this is a good introductionary episode Pan's Labyrinth is good Terranova is rubbish Ringer's rubbish. Drive is very good. So, um... Oh, apparently, yeah. in Doctor Who magazine's 2009 poll to find the greatest Doctor Who serial ever, Blink came in second place after Peter Davidson's uh, Case of Andrew's Army. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, I, I haven't... Wasn't paying attention to polls at the time, but that's interesting to know. And, and I mean, Doctor Who magazine is, it's, it's, you know... Um, there are quite a lot of, you know, sort of old school... Well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's aimed it's, at... It's, it's, well, it's aimed at all fans. 
Because they had the kids' magazine is separate, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that's like the very young kind yeah. of. Yeah, I mean Doctor Who magazine is aimed at the the the. It, the trouble is, it gets so complicated with Doctor Who at times because you don't want to say so, someone who doesn't get the magazines and perhaps only likes new series is not a fan because that's ridiculous and insulting. You know, fa- there are different degrees of fan and fandom. Yes. I think, and uh, I'd argue Doctor Who magazine is aimed at fandom perhaps more than the fan if we're trying to draw lines and stuff, but. Oh, I, did, I didn't know. I didn't know it got it gotten that high actually. But that's. that's I think good. it set a fairly interesting uh, precedent in the new series actually, which is for some incredibly strong Doctor Light stories. Because there is a turn left, of course. There's um, uh, the one I'm thinking of uh, in the most recent is uh, the girl who waited, uh, which was written to be a Doctor Light story, mm. um, which was fantastic. Um, yeah. It's one of the heavier Doctor Light ones, like I was stumbling over my words trying to say earlier. The Doctor Light ones are always interesting. I like the occasional Doctor Light because it's 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 telling a different kind of story. It's kind of using the forty-five minute format very well because it's kind of the kind of story you could, you wouldn't have told in the original series, but you couldn't necessarily justify an hour and a half on. Cause yeah, no one really wants to see an hour and a half and Doctor without the Doctor barely featuring the Doctor. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's uh, pretty much. Everything. Okay. I, I just, I just think it's such a fantastic, amazing, perfect, wonderful piece of storytelling. Um, I put it up there with my favourites of a lot of things. It was probably my favourite thing I'd seen on television all that year. Is just definitely going up there. Is something that I would uh, show to a lot of people who didn't necessarily like you that much or, or thought they didn't. And, Okay. And sorry, I know I've not been like very, you know. Uh, I, I know that people like it when I annoy Adam, but I couldn't bring myself to do it this time because I love and respect this episode so much that I just, you know, I was like, oh, I have to share this one seriously. I have an enormous amount of ridiculous trivia about it. So this is true, and you you you, you spew most of it up for this. Anyway, if you want to send us your thoughts, opinions, etc., etc., you can reach us at nakedscarf at gmail dot com. We're on Tumblr, nakedscarf dot dot com. I'm still wanting to launch my uh, cats that look like Anthony Ainley a Tumblr. So not seriously, I have not had a single picture of a cat that looks like Anthony Ainley. So seriously, people, hook me up here. Twitter, we're on Twitter, at Naked Scarf. That's it, isn't it? I think that's all I think. Oh, Facebook, Facebook group. group. Facebook group. You always if you... forget the Facebook group. Uh, Facebook. Um, if you search for Naked Scarf, you'll find us. We're not difficult to find. Um, I should probably be more difficult to find. You're very difficult, generally. <laughs> you bastard! <laughs> Why? Like, look, I've managed and to get through that entire episode. episode with no swearing whatsoever, and, and you just... Anyway, the next episode, I think we're going to be looking at the Sea Devils? Yay! Oh, that would be nice. So, Electric Kazoo Boogaloo for that. <laughs> and, um, yeah, until then, folks, take care.